This week's Ed Surge podcast is brought to you by Amazon Future Engineer. Amazon Future Engineer is a comprehensive childhood-to-career program aimed at improving access to computer science education for children and young adults from underserved and underrepresented communities. Visit AmazonFutureEngineer.com to learn more. That's AmazonFutureEngineer.com. It's my first day back on campus. First day of senior year. I'm walking back for my last class. That's Joseph Ching, an undergrad at Purdue University. We asked him to send us some thoughts via audio of what campus life is like this semester and how it compares to last year and to the time before the pandemic. Since he's a senior, he has been through several very different iterations of what campus life is like. So he recorded this message on his phone as he walked across the campus a couple weeks ago. The first reaction from this is just that there are a lot of people on campus. It is very, very crowded. It is crowded because not only is Purdue back to teaching mostly in person and allowing pretty much full access to the campus again, but Purdue ended up admitting its largest freshman class ever, in part because more people accepted the university's offer than they expected. Last year, during the height of the pandemic, colleges around the country took one of two approaches, basically. Either close campus and do most teaching online, or try to stay open as much as possible and continue to hold many classes in person. Purdue became one of the most vocal champions of the stay open approach. So Joseph was on the campus last year. But to stay open last year during the height of the pandemic, Purdue took tons of precautions, like distancing in classrooms, with stickers placed on many seats saying, don't sit here, to keep people at least six feet apart. This year, those stickers are peeled off. They're gone. And many classrooms are packed. Everyone is required to wear masks indoors. But Joseph says all those people can feel a bit disconcerting. Um, It's sort of surreal to have that be something that... uh, you feel uncomfortable with a lot of people in a room, but like, I've not just not been in a situation where there's that many people together in a lecture hall or just seeing these lines extending far out for just like getting a movie poster or just like a sea of people walking from, from class to class. It's just, it's just a lot of people. Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge podcast, where every week we look at how education is changing. I'm Jeff Young, the managing editor here at Ed Surge. We're a national nonprofit newsroom. You may recognize that student's voice if you've been a longtime listener to the Ed Surge podcast. Joseph Ching, he was part of our semester long series last year called Pandemic Campus Diaries, where we set out to hear what campuses were doing to keep learning going during the first full semester of COVID 19. Over the course of that series, Joseph and some other students, as well as some professors on six campuses, sent in audio diaries that we wove into these episodes that ran throughout the semester. If you want a sense of what that time felt like on a campus, I recommend going back and listening to those episodes. As this semester started, naturally, we wondered, how have things changed? Especially when it comes to what classes are like. For this episode, we decided to try to hone in on this one campus. Purdue. We're going to hear more from Joseph and from some other students and a professor 
to get a snapshot of what the start of the semester is like. It is a time colored by the fact that we are not at all out of the pandemic, with many people still refusing to be vaccinated and the more contagious Delta variant raging, leading to some breakthrough infections, even in some people who are vaccinated. Last year at this time, Purdue's president, Mitch Daniels, he is the former governor of Indiana, was doing interviews on CNN talking about all the steps Purdue was taking to make the campus safe. That included, this is last year again, buying more than a mile of plexiglass that officials installed all over campus, including these rolling plexiglass shields in classrooms that professors could keep between them and the students as they lectured. And campus leaders issued a clear Protect Purdue pledge that everyone on campus had to agree to. This year, Mitch Daniels tried to set the tone with a new welcome message, a video he posted last month on YouTube. 2020 was, as people used to put it, a major downer. But it was great in one respect. That was the way the entire Purdue community teamed up to open and maintain the most open in-person campus our size anywhere. So what is Purdue doing this fall? Now, it could have required all professors and students to be vaccinated. That's what more than a thousand colleges around the country have done, according to a list kept by the Chronicle of Higher Education. But so far, Purdue is not mandating vaccines, giving students the option of either vaccination or regular COVID testing throughout the semester. And the college president is asking the students to be vigilant in following the protocols in a revised but somewhat watered-down Protect Purdue pledge. After months of near-normalcy, we've all been tempted to believe that COVID-19 is behind us. But as much as we might wish it, we now know this problem is not over. Cases are up almost everywhere, as the virus is doing what viruses do. Reluctantly, like thousands of other schools and businesses, we've decided to start school asking everyone to wear a mask indoors. We hope this will be temporary, but there's no way to tell right now. To Deborah Nichols, a professor at Purdue who last year served as chair of the university senate, that message is not super reassuring. I don't know. I'm, I probably have at least the same, if not higher, anxieties about this fall um, because we know more and we're doing less. <laughs> but you do have a vaccine, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. But there are breakthrough cases. And, and for me, the, the biggest thing, so for um, uh, today was the first day that the school district, my kids go to mandated masks. Deb Nichols is now talking not about Purdue policy, but about the local school district where her daughter attends. Just like in many local school systems, the decision about whether or not to require masks has been contentious. So when they did that, then people who are completely, you know, um, anti-mask, probably anti-vax, um, went a little nuts. And um, uh, so that was concerning. So far, my daughter hasn't said anything crazy has happened at schools, but there were, there were threats about, well, you can take your gun to school when you drop your kids off about it. So there's just sort of all this polarization that sort of layers on um, a level of concern. You know, everyone focuses on how many people die, but not 
on how many people deal with the challenges of long COVID and how that impacts kids and, and whatnot. So, and that, you know, we have a more sophisticated understanding certainly than we did last fall. Um, and so the complexities of it, I think that's the level of anxiety. Okay, so there is anxiety in the air, a new, more complex one than last year. But there's also excitement, especially for some students who opted to stay entirely online all last year. That's the case for Akila Abiratna. She is a sophomore. Yes, I studied remotely for a full year all last year. That was my first year at Purdue. So for her, as a sophomore, this is the first time that she's taking classes on campus and that she's having this residential experience. She's new to campus even though she's a sophomore. I asked Akila to describe what it felt like to walk into her first on-campus class. Ooh, okay, so my first Purdue class was actually organic chemistry lectures, huge lecture, um, and I have always heard about, you know, huge lecture halls uh, and, like, sitting far away from the professor. When I was online, obviously, I had, um, like, in person, like, seeing, um, like, the professor, like, face-to-face, kind of, um, but now it was just huge, and so I was a little bit um, kind of anxious, but also excited. I find this so interesting. Her first impression was that she had a worse view in person than online because she's sitting there kind of far away. I had never really thought of it quite like that. Even if you are sitting in the front row of a classroom, the professor looks further away in person than on a Zoom screen. And it was just weird seeing the professor finally like with a mask um, all the way at the very end of the um, lecture hall instead of like really close up. Yeah. What is the biggest positive like of being back on campus, even if it's not in the classroom? Like, what is the biggest positive for you? To be honest, the biggest positive is just, like, being present on campus because I feel like this campus is just aesthetically just beautiful and just having the experience of walking around and, you know, meeting up with friends, the whole social aspect of it. Um, I think that is what is the biggest positive of all of this. Something you can't miss, you know, being just like in uh, in a like a little desk in your own room. I mean, that's not really the experience that you want from college. So, other students were glad to be back as well. Sean Murley, a senior at Purdue, was around last year, living near campus, but many of his classes ended up online. That was the case for lots of students we talked to last year. They were in and around campus, but their classes stayed online for health reasons or by the choice of the professor. Sean says more of his classes are in person this year, and he is seeing the benefits of being back in the room with his classmates. The first one I had was Spanish, and that's like something that also just works way better in person because like, it's like the first thing we did was like, hey, talk to the person right next to you, you know, in Spanish, have a little conversation. And that's stuff that like breakout rooms, I feel like don't replicate well. Um, and even lecture, I'm just more focused, for sure. Because, um, like, on my computer, I can just easily, like, get distracted by something. Yeah, it's... But he says there are some awkward moments because of the need for masks. Like, one of my professors was like, can I take my mask off to, like, drink in the classroom? And he was, like, at, like kind of asking us. And so, like, another, like, my Spanish one... It's like phonetics, so he's normally trying to show us stuff related to like speech and mouth pronunciation, but he's like, if I, if I didn't have my mask on, I would be able to 
show you like easier and stuff like that. So it's, I think it's still a bit of like, I don't know, like even though we're in person, there's a bit of like awkwardness not being able to see the bottom half of your face. Joseph Ching says there's an upbeat spirit in the classes he's taking that are back in person. Oh, I think I sense a lot of excitement uh, around, uh, you know, the, the professors. They, they really seem to enjoy being in the classroom, at least the ones that I have. They, they're, there's, there's a lot of, like, energy, I guess, now that you are able to just have this interaction with your professor. Uh, you know, they have a joke, like, there's some reaction. It's not just, you know, staring at a blank screen on a computer. And I think I, there's a little bit more of a focus on my end, too, because I can't just be, you know, snacking alongside eating, um, snacking alongside of watching the lecture or, you know, coming in, like, you know, a minute late and not there not really being any repercussions. Like, you know, if you come in a minute late now, it's like you get a bunch of, you get some stares, you're a little bit disrupting the class. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I'm also trying to adjust to. That notion of having to adjust to the logistics of in-person classes, it was a theme we heard repeatedly. That was definitely true for Akila. I think that it was very convenient definitely to watch lectures and do, do um, labs on your iPad. It's just kind of that whole convenient aspect because, again, you're at home, you're in your pajamas, you know, everything is very comfortable. Now when you're on campus, you have to walk around. You have to, I take the bus, and so every day I have to wait for the bus. I have to walk around campus. Uh, it's very tiring, definitely different, um, and you also feel like you... Um, you do you have less time to do you know more studies because you're really walking around like the whole time while as last year it was just you know do do like staying at a desk and just doing work continuously so yeah this is of course anecdotal but it is making me realize how hard it's going to be to generalize about which is better for learning online or in person because both clearly have their pros and cons at least listening to students like Joseph. I felt like there are some things I do miss about remote learning. Uh, you know, I feel like with remote learning, I can learn when I want to learn. So, you know, if I'm having a bad day or a very busy day, apologize, there's like a plane up here. If uh, there's an airport at Purdue for those who don't know. It's uh, got her always some planes up there, but I, I can I can start over. Um, there's some things I miss about remote learning. Uh, you just get to learn at your own pace and on your own time. So you know, if I'm feeling like you no, know, this is a great day, I want I want to get ahead in my in my work. I can do that. Um, if I just want to do other things like like extracurriculars or like a job search or internship search i want to focus on that i can do that and still catch up later whereas now you're kind of expected to come to class um some classes will have attendance tracked through like clicker questions so kind of participation points within so there's not as much flexibility on your own schedule which yes I, I think can make the in-class discussion um, better. As as I, I remember, a couple of classes were had had really low attendance last year, but also, like, it, it is a 
it removes that flexibility, which, which, I, which I did appreciate. And I was reminded in putting this episode together that students these days are busy with lots of activities other than academics. There are student clubs. And for seniors like Joseph, the search for a job. Uh, There are definitely times, I can think of this week, where I had to skip out on class uh, because I had an interview. Uh, I had to meet a recruiter. I had a couple of times where I just was completely out of it and like really going to class versus just taking a break and watching the lecture at home at a different time would have been more productive. So I think that it's still possible to do that. Like when I've had to miss class, I can always just go back and review the lectures from last year. And that makes it super, uh, super nice because I I don't really miss out on anything. Uh, (laughs) My classes are all over like 150 people. So there really is not much of an in-class component of, uh, you know, discussion or anything. After the break, what happened to all those plexiglass barriers? Stay with us. Teachers, educators, and parents. Are you looking for new ways to show your students how learning in school connects with jobs in the real world? Join a free Amazon Future Engineer Fulfillment Center tour and spark your students' interest in STEM careers today. During this one-hour virtual tour, students will uncover the magic behind the scenes at Amazon. From Amazon's online store to your doorstep, discover how computer science, state-of-the-art engineering, and incredible people power each step of the order delivery process. Plus, you'll even get to meet a few of the amazing engineers behind the technology. Sign up today and let your students see where a career in tech can take them. You can register now at amazonfutureengineer.com slash fctours and discover a tour of possibilities. That's amazonfutureengineer.com slash fctours. Now back to the episode. One of the biggest differences at Purdue this year compared to last year is whether professors are allowed to take attendance. You know, last year we weren't allowed to have any kind of participation or attendance. That's Professor Deb Nichols again. Oh, by the way, you may remember she also participated in our semester-long podcast series last year. Students could come or not. And uh, what I decided to do and I was doing so when I was face-to-face, I would also have the Zoom open. And I'm not going to do that this year because that's a mess. <laughs> it's too hard and people don't come. So in a class of 65, I probably had four to six people show up in person and the rest in the Zoom. Um, so I, I think as long as I keep face-to-face, entirely face-to-face, I don't offer a Zoom option Um, We'll record them, and then as people start getting isolated or quarantined, um, potentially, then we'll post those after the class is over. But I'm not going to try to do both. That's just a disaster. And I'm also trying some... um, looking at some new strategies to get people to participate more when we are online. Um, I've We'll have to see how that 
that goes. It was just so challenging last time that I ended up just doing, which I didn't want to do at all, just straight lecture. And that's not the way I wanted my course to be. Um, And toward the end of the semesters, both fall and spring, I mean, people were just like, we're done. (laughs) I don't want to be there. All of the guidance we have gotten (laughs) is... We want to have a fully residential experience. However, given you know what can happen, um, you also have to provide options for those who can't be there. So, so we just—it's like last year. We have to do everything for everybody in all possible ways. The worry is that works for no one by having a Zoom feed open on our live class and trying yes. to juggle two different audiences at least. And then we we have this added challenge of having the largest <laughs> freshman class ever. Um, and all of the resources are completely just taxed. As an example of how taxed resources are, Nichols pointed to a video that went viral on TikTok recently, showing a dorm room where officials crammed so many beds and dressers into a space that it looked like what students called dorm cubicles. Basically what they've done is taken some armoires and and beds and tried to make cubicles. (laughs) Living, livable cubicles. Yes, but they're not private. And it's just, their hope is that within the first few weeks of the semester, there will be some melt with... um, students and then they'll be able to move them into I don't know it's just it it's sort of like well let's bring in as many people as we possibly can and yet um, we don't have the resources and they were scrambling and then because of the pandemic they couldn't find mattresses for a long time and it's just you have to have a healthy sense of humor to um, just keep moving forward So what did happen to all the plexiglass Purdue bought at the beginning of the pandemic? They're still there. uh, And people use them as like whiteboards because you can draw on them. Um, And then there also are like a couple different like places that still have barriers, like, like the front desk will have these plexiglass barriers and they have not removed those. Sean Murley says he sees the plexiglass around campus as well. I mean, they're still there. I saw two of them outside in the hall, like, it's not being used. I don't think, yeah, I don't think professors really use them at all, but, like, they're still in classrooms, um, or if they put them out in the hallway, they're there. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really ironic because that's the kind of thing that's, like, it's something people thought was so obvious as to stopping COVID. It's like, oh, if we just put plexiglass up, it'll work. But, like, apparently, like, if you really study it, it's not as effective as we thought, so... He pointed to a New York Times article that he read about research that showed that plexiglass barriers can actually do more harm than good. Not only can they give a false sense of security, the article says, but actually, and I'm going to read this part of the Times article, research suggests that in some instances, a barrier protecting a clerk behind a checkout counter may redirect the germs to another worker or customer. Rows of clear plastic shields like those you might find in a nail salon or classroom, can also impede normal airflow and ventilation. End quote. One word that came up in all my interviews was that this semester feels like a kind of limbo. 
It's not as scary or uncertain as last year at this time. But it's definitely not back to normal or relaxed either. Not it's, it's, it's not one or the other. It's not like we're just staying home or whatever or just everything like normal. It's, it's like a weird in-between as we're trying to figure out as we like get out of it um, and as more people get vaccinated. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what's interesting. But I, I do wish Purdue would mandate the vaccine. I think that would, um, that would like, like IU did. I think that would probably help things. Um, I don't, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why they haven't. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And that makes it a lot harder to do what we usually do here and try to tell national stories about what campus life is like. It just seems like the experience is different for different students and different professors. And it's different in different parts of the country. We're definitely interested, though, in trying to capture what is going on out there. All semester, we are planning to record stories of students about their lives during this Delta semester. And we'll put it out in one big episode at the end of the term. If you're a student who wants to share your story, or you know a student who might be a good candidate, reach out to me at jeff at edsurge.com. That's jeff at edsurge.com. We look forward to hearing how things go. This has been the Ed Surge Podcast. Each week, we bring you stories and interviews that look at the future of learning. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you listen and sign up for our weekly Ed Surge Podcast newsletter to get links related to the show and to make sure you don't miss an episode. You can find that at edsurge.com Go to the top right and click on the word newsletters. This episode was written and produced by me, Jeff Young, and you can find me on Twitter at J.R. Young. Music this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more on how education is changing. Thanks for listening.